the heart of Shaja. This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95 Live From cover to cover At the Sharjah International Book Fair Hello, welcome back to From Cover to Cover I'm here with Omnia Saleh Covering the Sharjah International Book Fair Fun times and you can hear the crowd just filing in It's getting more and more crowded tonight Uh, Quick note here, uh, Eben Burgoon The American comic book artist who was with us Is holding a session over in hall number 7 at the Comics Corner, and he's starting in about 25 minutes. So do head over there. It's open to just about everybody. And Eben Burgoon is making comics with visitors, and they are looking fantastic. Yes, indeed. Children, adults, it is a workshop for everyone. But on another note, today we are joined by a Sudanese novelist who became an international figure, Leila Abul Ulash. Her works definitely focus on issues of identity, immigration, and Islamic spirituality. Uh, she, in 2000, to exactly 2000, uh, won a Kane Award for her short story, The Museum. Uh, and her novel, The Translator, was actually chosen as a notable book of the year by the New York Times in 2006. And although her mother tongue is in Arabic, uh, she wrote her literary works in English, and her books have found their way to readers in six continents of the world and were translated into 14 languages. She has so much to offer to the world, and we're going to be hearing right from the author herself, Layla Abul Ula, on what she has to say about her different books. My latest book is uh, is called Bird Summons, and it's about these uh, three uh, women who are all um, Arab uh, immigrants in uh, Scotland. And uh, they are um, they set out on a on a journey to the Scottish Highlands, and uh, they want to visit the grave of Lady Evelyn Cobold. And Lady Evelyn Cobold was the first uh, European woman to do the pilgrimage to Mecca, and she did that in the 1930s. And uh, she was actually an uh, Scottish aristocrat who converted to Islam. And uh, she, uh, on her own, she w- she just wanted to you know um, do the pilgrimage to Mecca and she wanted to be buried uh, in an Islamic way in the highlands. Uh, most of your books uh, and works, they tend to address different cultural and psychological alienation that is typically faced by Muslim immigrants in the West. So why did you choose to portray that in your books? Well, I guess because um, I felt these concerns when I was living there, when I first moved there. I was very homesick. I, um, uh, the, 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 the climate was very hostile towards Arabs, towards Muslims. And this was even in the 90s, in the first Gulf War. And of course, now it's even like worse with, uh, you know, Trump and Trump's Muslim ban and all that stuff. So... You know, I, I, I experienced all these uh, things and I lived through them. So um, one way of uh, looking at fiction is it's the, it's the place where you go to where you can't, um, where you can talk about things that don't really, you don't really talk about in normal day-to-day conversation. So when immigrants get together, they don't really talk about these things, you know, because they, they it, it's, it's, a, it's a sensitive subject. So that's why when I, you know, when I went to fiction, I kind of, fiction was a place for me where I could uh, address these issues. 
And many readers, they tend to love your books because you're able to provide a different image of the Muslim woman, you know, one of strength and independence. So how did you go about creating that image in your novels? Well, it's, it's just it's what I see around me, love, so that I would be true to what I saw with my own eyes, you know, rather than, than, than following the, the, the stereotypical images that I was seeing around me. And that's, that's not easy to do because you have to, in a way, shut yourself off. And, and, and be truthful to what you see in, in keeping it real in a way and, 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 and you know, reflecting uh, the reality of what is around you uh, rather than what you're told by, by the media. And of course, the media is very per pervasive. You know, you're, you, you know, you're kind of bombarded with images and with suggestions and on a continuous level. So if you want to block all that off and concentrate on what you know, your, your, you know, your immediate family, the, the, your experience, your friends, your neighbors, then, then that comes, produces a, a kind of a more authentic uh, lit literature. And in your book, Bird Summons, uh, you've got some fantastical elements in the form of the bird. What made you go to that choice? Um, yeah, it's the first time for me to, you know, to go into this fantasy kind of magic realism. Um, but I was, uh, I don't really know exactly how that came up about. I think it was just a, de a desire to, to express something that couldn't be expressed realistically. And so when the women go out to the highlands, uh, they're like moving from the city to the wilderness in a way. And, uh, and so also they're moving from uh, formal religion, you know, as, as kind of uh, the city represents that, to a kind of a, a kind of spirituality. So I wanted to write about that. I wanted to write about a, a, a kind of spirituality that isn't um, really connected with formal religion, which I had done that with my other, with my other books, but this time I wanted something a little bit, you know, f freer, a little bit away from the, um, you know, the, 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 the surface, let's say, yeah. Is this something that readers should expect from your future works, this incorporation of those magic realist elements? No, 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 no. I think this, this is maybe a one-off or maybe, I mean, maybe it will happen again in the future, but, but I'm now working on another novel and it's, it is realistic, yeah. I mean, having spoken to readers of your fiction, one thing that resonates with them quite a bit is these interactions that are unique to us Arabs or people who are Muslims, whether it's people who are in relationships or people who are friends. Can you talk about how you highlight those aspects in your work? Yeah, I'm interested in culture, sort of culture shock, but it's, it, 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 and, and that is really um, misunderstandings and blunders and people getting things wrong and people saying the wrong things and awkwardness. So there's a lot of that in, in, the, in, the, in the writing, especially the short stories that I've, that I've uh, written. Uh, there's the museum, for example, which gets taught a lot in, in, in syllabuses. I don't know if this is the one that you studied. It's one of them, yeah. So that, that one is about uh, the Sudanese uh, girl who goes to university in Scotland and she ma ma makes friends with this Scottish young man. And uh, yeah, and there's this kind of uh, awkwardness between them because the, he takes her out on a date and he chooses, he thinks that, that you know, it was the right thing to do is, is to take her to this African museum, but she's actually offended by the things that she sees in the museum. 
and uh, and and he's not because he's he thinks oh this is uh, you know this is the imperial past of Britain and he's impressed by what he sees but she wants something more modern she wants the museum to reflect a kind of modern Arab world you know uh, where um, to show beautiful things to show nice things and not to show a kind of orientalistic fa fantasy so I think that the the, the story plays around with uh, with these uh, dynamics and I think you know young people can relate that because so many people now are traveling and and even if you're if you've grown up in the UAE and you go abroad to university it is it is can, can be a cultural shock there's you know so many things that are different that was Leila Abu Lala talking about her latest book what we'll do is take a bit of a short break and when we come back our conversation with Leila Abu Lala will resume and she'll talk all about the sense of alienation that is pervasive in her works. Stay tuned to Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. It's a Shaja story. Pulse 95 Live. From cover to cover at the Sharjah International Book Fair. Hello, welcome back. We've been talking to Leila Abu Ala, playing an interview in which we've discussed her works as well as the themes in them. And religion and alienation are in fact the two central themes in her works. Her works address the cultural and psychological alienation that is faced by Muslim immigrants in the West. And that is why Leila Abu Ala is talking about in the next clip. Uh, an immigrant is a parent who finds out too late that she's given up her child for adoption. It's one of the most powerful statements that I've read uh, in your book, Elsewhere Home. And it is your latest collection of short stories. And you can tell that there's a yearning for home that tugs at the soul of every character um, that you write. Why is that and what does, where does it originate from? Well, I guess it originates from myself because I I left Sudan and I, I emigrated. And uh, the thing was being being in my situation, for example, is that um, I kind of like slipped into it. We we my husband and I weren't sure whether we were going to stay, whether they're going to go back, whether they're going to move to another country. So there is this um, kind of not knowing, and I think that that. Uh, this craze, this kind of ambivalence in the, in the in the person, and then suddenly you have children, and the children are going to school, and the children are influenced with the culture around them, and suddenly you realize as a parent that oh, you're kind of sharing your parenting with with a with a wider culture. And children are not born with a hard drive of their parents' memories, you know, so they don't know. And, 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 and so the parents' reaction that the child doesn't know is, is like, you're stupid, you should know. You know, every child your age in X, Y, or Z knows that, you know, but you're, you're brought up here. Yeah. <laughs> so even in, in the UAE, for example, I'm sure parents are telling their children, you know, you're pampered, you're this, you don't know what it's like and all that. So so uh, that's that's all that I've uh, comes across in the, in the stories. Yeah, uh, faith definitely holds a very precious place in the lives of your characters. I mean, uh, many of them tend to feel like lost when they cannot pray or they forget to do so because of the absence of the of the adhan. So, can you tell us a little bit more on how you wanted to portray faith in your stories? 
Well, one of the culture shocks that I faced was, uh, you know, moving when I moved to Britain was this moving into a secular society where religion wasn't important. I mean, I had grown up in Sudan with um, with Christians around me and the, the Christians in Sudan I met were also practicing Christians. So. Um, so I kind of was growing up in a, in, a, in a place which was very cosmopolitan. And actually the Sudan I grew up in, the Khartoum I grew up in, was similar to Dubai, similar to you know, the, the multicultural um, you know, society that we have in, in Dubai. And I felt that everybody around me believed in God. It was like taken for, for given. It was a given even though they were Christians or, or, or Muslims or different kinds of Christians. They were Coptic, you know, like Egyptians and, and they were Catholics and different kinds. So when I went to the, to the UK and I suddenly was in this world where, you know, people didn't believe and actually if you did have faith, you were in a minority. So that was to me a, a very surprising thing. And, uh, and I never quite got over that. And I'm not sure I want to get over that. I think it's, it's, it's a good culture shock to keep. <laughs> so that's why it kind of comes across in, in, in the stories, yeah. Uh, and, and having grown up in Sudan, it must have had a, a pretty sizable influence on your thinking and, and your fiction as well. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a privileged upbringing in Khartoum. We, uh, my mother was Egyptian, even though my father was Sudanese, and uh, I went to an la English language school. And um, I, you know, mixed from people from different backgrounds. And, uh, and my husband, who I met at a very young age, his, he was Sudanese, his father was Sudanese, but his mother was English. So I also then, you know, came into contact with British uh, culture at a young uh, age. And uh, so um, it was really a nice um, atmosphere to be in. And this is the other thing when I moved to, 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 to the UK and I ended up in a, in a relatively small city, Aberdeen, was that it, everybody was the same. It wasn't, people weren't really mixed. People hadn't really traveled. People didn't, weren't half this and half that. And, and so that also was kind of surprising for me that, um, uh, that, that, that uh, I mean, what's it like for someone uh, like the character that, from the museum, this young boy who's never been anywhere and, and uh, who wants to go somewhere, but he actually has never been. So I, I also became interested in, in, in that, the difference in, in these kind of ways of life, yeah. One thing we've heard from immigrant writers who are based in the West is they feel their writing is pigeonholed in a certain categories, that the reception, they tend to be viewed in this almost one-dimensional way. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think this—the idea of reception—is is 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 tricky because um, um, you you can often, if you are an African writer or or, or just a, a black writer or a writer from everywhere, you you could your your um, work is often looked at anthropologically in the sense that the reader or at least the critics are interested in the. Uh, you know the, 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 that it's showing them a, a, a different life than, than that they know about, and they're not really 
um, talking about your writing. They're not really talking about your art in a way. So that kind of that gets marginalized. So where there's a focus on the issues rather than a focus on on literature or, or a focus on uh, humanity or on uh, love or on uh, you know loyalty or all these human aspects. There's very much oh um, you know you're writing about this particular this specific demographic and you're telling us about this world that we don't know about. But I think that this uh, this would go away once the the readership ch um, changes, you know, and once the the um, the critics change. And 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 I mean, this is why I I you know I am so keen on coming to the Sharjah Book Festival, for example, because because I I need I need the the Arab reader because they they are connecting to my work differently than than, than the you know the Western reader because they they actually feel that that this is um, they can relate to it and they're not re they're reading up people who are like themselves. They're not reading about total strangers. So, um, so they are then accessing the art and they're accessing the feelings in the, in, the, in, in the work much better. Is that an anxiety that you felt, for instance, being from a certain part of the world in another part of the world? Do you feel the need or the pressure, at least, from your surroundings to be more realist and talk about social issues or, and portray certain realities more so than perhaps a Western writer might feel or someone who was born in the West? Do you get no, I get I get what you mean, but I think that that uh, this is actually something that we we uh, if you're a writer and an artist, you should not put yourself in in this kind of pressure because the, the work the quality of the work will be poor. So you, the, your your first responsibility is to produce high quality work, and and so this is not a these these aren't con, these conditions are not conducive to producing this high quality work. You really need to shut this. To pretend that this doesn't exist, in the same way there's an actor on stage pretends that the audience aren't there. So we have to sometimes pretend that this world isn't there, and we have to, you know, focus on our writing and produce the best that we can produce, uh, without, um, uh, you know, without uh, pandering to this particular uh, pressure. Um, um, so I think that if a, if a writer uh, succumbs to the pressure then um, that is not a good thing. That is not a good thing because at the end of the day, you have to really believe in your work and you have to really, um, it has to be, uh, you know, sincere coming from, from you. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, or you don't want to look back 10 years after you've written something and say, oh, I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed of it now. I wrote that because I was under pressure. You don't want that. You want to be 10 years later, still proud of what you've written. Writing your truth, that's exactly what Layla Abu'l-Ala has been telling us. Sudanese novelist who became an international figure. We will be resuming her conversation uh, right after this very short break. But first, we have a song called Sucker by Jonas Brothers. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95 with a story to tell. Pulse 95 Live, from cover to cover, at the Sharjah International Book Fair. 
A Sudanese novelist who became an international figure, Leila Abu Ila's works have definitely focused on issues of identity, immigration, and Islamic spirituality. And we actually got a chance to have a conversation with her about what she finds interesting when it comes to her writing process. And she was telling us a little bit more about how she enjoys writing about tension in relationships and gave us a little bit of a perspective on how she tackles history of slavery in our region throughout her words. So let's see what Leila Abu Ila has had to say about that. Quiet anger and restraints are two dominant emotions that make your work stand out. Uh, but I'm very curious to know where do these emotions originate from? The restraint maybe is just part of my personality and maybe the, 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 the anger is just a reaction to, to you know, what's happening in the world, the situation that I'm in, the, the prejudice I see against Islam, the, 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 uh, the distortion I feel that, that there is about Islam, the, uh, the fact that uh, so many times um, um, the, the attention is paid to, you know, the, the very much the fanatical side of Islam, the, the, the terrorism, all that gets a lot of attention. But of course, this is there. It's not, it's not that people are not making it up. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm angry also at the Muslims who give Islam a bad name. I'm, you know, so all this is, 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 is reflecting in my work. I'm angry, angry at the ignorance that Muslims show of their religion. They, they, don't, they don't bother to, 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 to study it and that they're sticking to, you know, cultural things just for the sake of culture. So it's, it's all this is, 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 you know, to make you angry. But, uh, but I think anger is the fuel. It shouldn't be in the, in the cooking. It shouldn't be, you know, in the, in the work itself. It should be something that, that, that makes you motivated to, uh, to write. Yeah. Let's talk about the religious aspect of your work. Now, when you place these characters in a Western setting, it almost feels provocative to have someone this religious in that type of setting. Could you talk about the effect that that imparts on your work? Uh, yeah, I think that, that, that it is... Uh, you're saying provocative to put this religious character in, in the West. To, to certain people. It feels like a provocative thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, of, because of how different these characters are and the values they embody and... Yeah, but it's also exciting. I mean, this is where the tension is coming from. I mean, you're, you're creating then tension in the story, and, and, and it's real. This is this is this is happening. So uh, so there is. I I do find tension in, in, in that, and, and and you need conflict in, in fiction, and you need kind of uh, tension. So much attracted to this kind of situation and, and, and writing about it. And I think that, that uh, as a writer, you should follow your fascination, you know, follow, write about the things that fascinate you, the things that you find, uh, you know, exciting and interesting. Um, so that's, uh, that's what I, I do, yeah. And what are some things that, as of late, you've been finding very interesting and exciting and inspiring that you might be working on in the future? Uh, actually, what I'm finding in, in interesting is the, is the history of slavery in Muslim countries. That is the this I find very interesting because uh, we, there's a lot of focus on the transatlantic uh, slavery. So we've heard so much about the stories of you know Africans taken from the West Coast to um, to America and you know South America and Jamaica and the the, the, the um, Caribbean, but we never hear about uh, the the East Coast of Africa and uh, you know Africans taken to Oman taken to uh, Arabia uh, uh, Africans taken from Sudan to Turkey 
uh, to Egypt. So there's a lot of history uh, 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 in, involved in that. And I find that quite interesting because uh, uh, where are their descendants now? The question is, where are they now? I mean, we, we, we don't know where they are because they've actually integrated in, in these societies. And the reason, of course, they integrated was the, 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 the rules of Islam and the way Islam dealt with this issue of, of slavery and the way it, uh, it, uh, it made people uh, recognize their children who were born from um, uh, mothers who were, uh, who were slaves and uh, you know, it included them as part of the family. And this wasn't the case in, in, in North America, for example. So that is an, it's a kind of interesting uh, issue and it's part of our history and it's part of the history of uh, this part of, of the world. And uh, so I've, I've kind of been interested in that, yeah. <laughs> but it must be incredibly difficult to find information about it because I'm under the impression that the history of it isn't as well documented as the other slave trade. Yes, it is. It's it's uh, it's not as well documented, but there's been studies. I mean, there's PhDs written. There's, uh, but it's not it's not in the public domain. You're right. It's not in the public domain, and it hasn't had the Hollywood treatments and all, all that stuff. But it's academically, it's the work is there. It's 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 there. It's just a matter of you know looking at it and and, and, and changing it. And I think that this is what this is what the future holds. That we can change the narrative. That we don't have to be all the time. Uh, you know, centralized around Europe, centralized around what Europe finds interesting, what the U.S. finds interesting, what uh, what uh, they want to adapt as uh, into into Hollywood. There's other things we have part of our history. We have you know our culture, our history, our, uh, our the connections between Egypt. Uh, sorry, but the questions between Africa and and Arabia, the, uh, the 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 history of the Ottoman Empire. All these things are very interesting for for us, and um, you know we need to kind of work on that and we need to kind of bring that into into more to, to the public yeah. do you think part of the reason why we're not doing that as much is because it's a lot easier to look at the darker side of history from people who are doing it far from us that it's a lot harder to self-examine and take a more critical approach to what we've done in our history uh, yes, but it's also this this uh, research and all that depends on funding, and funding is all is is, is political, and uh, a lot of the, all the syllabuses, the university syllabus are Western, so they bring with them the, the Western you know uh, cultural assumptions and baggage, and that's also very Eurocentric and very you know uh, geared towards the history of Europe, the history of America, uh, and not so much the, the, the other kinds of uh, of history. There's a translation issue. There's, but but it will happen. I mean, you you will see that. Maybe I might not see it in my lifetime, but you, inshallah, you 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 will. You'll see you'll see these changes happening, and maybe slowly, slowly, we will get away from from uh, from having this um, uh, this concentration on on on, on Europe as being the, the, the central and the normal and everything else being strange and weird and that means that that being you know that that, that, that being white is, is normal and, and if you're if you're something else that's that's strange or being a Christian is normal and something else that is weird. So we need to kind of move away from, from that, yeah. What's next for you after the book fair? What what's in the works? What's in the works? Uh, well, I've been doing a lot of promotion for, for bird summons. I've just come back last week from the Ake Festival in Lagos. And uh, before that, I've done lots of uh, festivals in, uh, in the UK. So I need to um, sit down and write my new novel. <laughs> 
was. That was Leila Abu Ala talking about the importance of resisting Eurocentric thinking and examining our history with a different lens instead. Well, coming up, we're going to have another segment. The show is not over because we're going to have the family of Pulse95 here with us in the studio to talk about their experience of the book fair and what else to look forward to on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Ja, ja. 